0: Our gospel reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand— and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Please be seated. Good morning again. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we are so grateful for this new day, grateful for the opportunity to gather here to sing and to pray and reflect together. We're grateful for one another. We pray that this morning you would open our hearts and minds to your word, to what you have in store for each of us in our worship today, that you would bless us, that you would guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do the Israelites, the Corinthians, and Jesus' early followers in our readings for today all have in common. They all stand at a crossroads. The Israelites are standing on the verge of realizing a promise 40 years in the making. After being freed from slavery in the Exodus, wandering around in the Sinai desert for 40 years, they are now about to cross into the promised land. The church in Corinth, the fledgling faith community, is bickering yet again about who is more important and who is more spiritual, all the while missing the point of what it means to be a community yet again. And in our gospel, Jesus' followers are wondering if this guy is for real, and if so, what it means for them and how they ought to live. Three communities at a crossroads, at moments of becoming, of transition, revelation, and realization. And in each of these instances, Moses, Paul, and Jesus call them back to the reason, the purpose, the meaning of it all, back to the very heart of faith. These three moments remind me of a book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. You may have heard of it. It's based on a TED Talk video, which has more than 48 million views. Uh, And I love the video because it's just Cynic on a very small stage with a very low-tech flip chart and Sharpie. Uh, And at one point, somebody has to switch out his microphone because the first one wasn't working. Uh, Maybe I like it because it reminds me of church a little bit for that reason. (laughs) Uh, this video, about 10 years old, is far less polished than a lot of the TED Talk videos that you'll find now, but his idea was so good that his message transcended the low production value, and it kind of proved his point. And he confesses in the talk that what he is sharing might very well be the world's simplest idea that he calls the Golden Circle. Um, And he basically says there are three elements to leading or to making a difference in the world. He says that at the heart of it all, at the center, is your why. Why you do what you do, your purpose, your mission, your core belief. Next is your how. How you go about things. How you live your light in light of your why. And finally, your what. What you do. Which he says is the evidence the tangible visible expression or fruits of your why and how he says a why is a belief how are the actions that you take to realize that belief and what are the results of those actions he says every company or organization on the planet knows what they do some companies and organizations and people know how they do what they do but very few people or organizations can clearly articulate why they do what they do. He says, by why I mean, what is your purpose, your cause or belief? Why do you exist? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? And why should anybody care? He says, we say what we do. We sometimes say how we do it, but we rarely say why we do what we do. He says, most times we start from the outside in with what, but he says the key is to move from the inside out. To start with why. In Deuteronomy, the Israelites are just about to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. And Moses recounts for them in this moment before they enter the covenant God made with them. And he urges them to choose life. But before that, he tells them what God is going to do for them He says, even if you are exiled from the end of the world, God will gather you and will bring you back. God will change your heart so that you will love God so that you may live. God will make you prosper and God will delight in it. And in response to God's promise, he says, we are to love God with our whole selves, follow God's voice as we walk the journey of life and to cling to God by following God's commandments. This, he says, is the way to life and not death. This, he says, is the why. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days so that you may live in the land that God has promised. The members of the church in Corinth were perhaps Paul's biggest challenge, which is the reason he sent two very long letters to them. They were notorious for competing to see who was the more spiritual or who was more important, and it always led them into jealousy and quarreling. And in this instance, some were identifying themselves with Paul and others with Apollos, who was another apostle. But Paul writes to put everything in perspective for them. He says, "'I, Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but it is God who gave the growth.'" He says that they all belong equally to God and the community That they are all, each of them, servants of God. He says, For we are servants working together. You are God's field. You are God's building. We are equal co workers in the gospel, no one more high than the other. The why, he says, is about serving others, not ourselves, that the unity of the church is a witness to the goodness of God. And finally, Jesus tells his new followers, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Like salt, you add flavor to life and help preserve it. Like light, you shine and bring hope to those in want or need. He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Which, by the way, we will hear again at Oliver's baptism when we light the candle. The light we shine is not by ourselves, or for ourselves, but a reflection of God's love and hope in the world. We're meant to let let our light shine brightly, reflecting the light of Christ, shining love and hope and possibility into the world. There are times and moments in our own lives that we ourselves come to a crossroads. Maybe like the Israelites, it's because we're on the verge of something longed hoped for, And we're not quite sure what to do. Or maybe, like the Corinthians, we just can't seem to get out of our own way. Or maybe, like Jesus' disciples, we're experiencing something new and don't know quite what to make of it. We can find ourselves at a crossroads in our lives for so many different reasons aging or loss, grief or illness, at new opportunities or a feeling of restlessness that we feel but don't understand. uh, Persistent feeling that God is nudging us towards something. In these moments, the thing to do is to come back to our why, to reclaim it or rediscover it, and to ask ourselves, why do we do what we do? What's our purpose, our mission, our core belief? And that is different for each of us, but as Christians, there is a fundamental why that we share, to live in God and for God and with God, to love God and to love and serve our neighbor, living in the freedom and hope and joy and grace that we ourselves have received from God. And we each embody that and live that out in our own unique way. And in the days ahead, we will have lots of practice at this. For like the Israelites and the Corinthians and the first disciples, we too are at a unique moment, a moment of transition and discernment as a congregation, and it's really an invitation to return to or to rediscover our why. And though it may feel unusual, this is part of the natural and normal rhythm of church, of congregations, and the life of faith. Churches do a better job than most, I think, of balancing the why and the how and the what's of it all, but Over time, in the wonderful flow of ministry, we can get very focused on the what we do and less so about the why we do it. For instance, I'm guessing that when lots of us describe our church, we talk a lot about what's. The what we do. We do this, and we do this, and we do this, and we do this. And do you have more time? Because we do this, and we do this, and we do this. And it's amazing, and I love it. We're so excited about this place and these ministries and this community and that we love to tell people all about the what's. But how many of us start with the why? Did we say we exist too or that we are because. And I, I don't mean Penn State, that we are Penn State. Yeah, I caught that writing it this morning. Um, that we are because or that we believe that. I bet you could start filling in those phrases even now, right? So it's not that the why doesn't exist, it's just that we need to lift it up to dust it off to make sure that that's where we begin. Asking where and who have we been? Where and who are we now? Where is God calling us and what are our dreams and visions and hopes for the future? And I know everybody's wondering, when do we get started? Um, And we've been waiting patiently on the Synod for that. But we had a good meeting with the Synod Inter-Ministry Chair this past week, and I feel like things are starting to get set in motion, and we're going to get regular updates out to everybody weekly or every other week with what's happening so everybody can be informed and involved. But suffice to say this morning that this is a good place to be. It's a place where God's people have always returned to, a place where, like the Israelites, we stand on the verge of embracing God's promises, entering into a promised time and a promised mission that God has in store for us. This is holy ground. Like Jesus' followers, we stand on the edge of a new adventure in faith, full of self-discovery and love and service to our neighbors and each other. And like the Corinthians, we'll make this journey together. As Moses said, we will choose life so that we and our descendants may live, loving the Lord our God, obeying God, and holding fast to God. For that means life to us and length of days, so that we may live in the land that God has promised. Amen.